Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Healthcare Experience Matters. Today's episode is a recorded webinar. It's been edited and condensed for a more friendly podcast listening experience. This webinar is entitled Safer Transitions, Closing Discharge Gaps with CARES Connect. It features Audrey Page. Audrey is a Senior Vice President of Patient Experience Solutions with PRC, and Kathleen Lynham, who is an Executive Coach and Senior Advisor with the Healthcare Experience Foundation. For more information on upcoming webinars, events, and resources from PRC, please visit prccustomresearch.com. And for more from the Healthcare Experience Foundation, you can visit healthcareexperience.org. Welcome. I am Audrey Page, PRC's Senior Vice President of Patient Experience Solutions here at PRC. We are so glad to have you join us today to talk about our CARES Connect solution. It is my pleasure to speak alongside Kathleen Lynham today. Uh, Kathleen brings decades of nursing and nurse leadership experience to us as an executive coach of our Excellence Accelerator team. And she is a champion for patient care and performance improvement, and therefore a very valuable resource to us as a leader for CARES Connect. So Kathleen, thank you so much for your expertise today. We have three primary objectives today. First, we will highlight the important impact that can be made with effective post-visit follow-up. Secondly, we're happy to share with you CARES Connect, which is an integrated PRC and Healthcare Experience Foundation solution for post-discharge calls. And third, we'll discuss the impact that CARES Connect can make for your HCAPs and patient experience measures, as well as quality outcomes. And with that, Kathleen, it's my pleasure for you to begin with our first objective here. Thanks, Audrey. I'm happy to be here. Um, and happy to be part of this. So I'm going to ask you all to take a moment and think about the word perspective and perspective changes with whom you are. And I'm thinking when we talk about somebody being discharged from your hospital, from your clinics, from your surgery center, certainly your chief financial officer has one value and one perspective on, on discharges, right? He wants to know how many are going, how many are going. Um, because that's where our revenue comes. Case manager has another perspective, like, holy moly, how many can I do? But certainly your staff members, the direct patient caregivers, the nurses, the physical therapists, the respiratory therapists, pharmacists, you have a different perspective, right? And I want you to reflect, perhaps from this morning, this week, for me, over 40 years ago, when I was kind of at the bedside doing front frontline um, nursing care, and although I've kept it up for a couple of years, I haven't discharged anybody in a while, but when you're discharging, I wonder if you've ever had concerns about one or two of the patients that you were discharging. Have you ever had staff come to you and say, oh boy, I'm worried about this one. I'm worrying about you know, their ability if they understood our instructions. I'm worried about their ability to take care of themselves. Because although home care is a great support for some patients, not everybody meets the criteria for home care, right? But I want you to think about your staff and what do you believe are the biggest risks from the staff's perspective when discharging those patients? And then what concerns do you have about the patients that you're sending home? And what do you wish could happen next? Um, and then when I want you to change your perspective a little bit and think about from the patient's perspective. I did two, two and a half, did two and a half years time 
I did two and a half years working in home care. I was a rehab clinician. So I followed, I was a nurse manager of orthopedics, and then I went into a clinician role. And I saw the patients that I was very happy to discharge at seven o'clock on a Tuesday night, come home and, and the differences in each and every home. So a patient, when a patient is recovering, what do you believe are their biggest concerns? Well, think about have you had a family member, a loved one, or yourself been discharged from the hospital in the last two years, which has certainly been a very, very challenging environment for every, everyone. What questions might they have? And what do they wish could happen next? What kind of concerns do they have? Well, this concept that we call, and I'm gonna really date myself now about what's called the old discharge phone calls, um, and we're calling it CARES Connect based on you know, some of the work that we put into this important connection. Um, and I'm, when I was presenting this with uh, Audrey, I was thinking, okay, 40 years ago, when I was an orthopedic nurse, we had time to prepare our patients for discharge there. And we were able, the best practices were you called your patient yourself. You called them the next day. And then as time went on, the next thing that happened is that the secretary or clinical person or another support person started to call the patient to check on them. But because it was getting busier and busier, we couldn't, we couldn't call everybody, right? You can never call every patient in the ER, in the surgery clinic. It's kind of hard. And now with the complexity of today's world, with the precautions about COVID and people not even allowing to have a, um, a family member there, now more than ever, this tactic, this integrative method that we have is really, I think, will be the new best practice. And so it includes a post-visit follow-up with patients and caregivers, caregivers to support their safe transition to home. It demonstrates the patient's care and transition is important to the hospital. We're not just sending you out and saying, good luck, God bless. It also, based on our input there, reinforces our commitment to excellence. We know that the patient experience is from before they enter the hospital or the clinic to when they get home. It also closes that loop to ensure the safest recovery. More, even more importantly, it verifies adherence with discharge instructions. And I just can remember sometimes those discharge instructions are five patients, uh, five pages. I was discharged from the hospital in the last two years um, after a. Um, uh, surgery, breast cancer diagnosis, and I'm I'm pretty alert and do all this stuff. I had, I just couldn't remember what the heck they were talking about and what they said about this and the other thing. And so um, that ability to retain all that information or answer their questions we know is limited. This type of thing, this CARES Connect call can help. And more most importantly, it aligns with our discharge preparation during the care. Uh, some of the best practices have discharge rounds and you're all in there together and prepare them in a multidisciplinary way. This is going to pull it all together and make you feel more comfortable and confident. And I think now my colleague, Audrey, we have a little um, version so you can hear what it actually sounds like. Yes, thank you so much, Kathleen. And before I push play, I just want to mention during these calls, uh, we do, of course, address the patient by name. We'll mention the organization that we're calling on behalf of 
throughout that call. Um, the interviewer also introduces themselves by their full name. And of course, we refer to the type of visit that we're calling about as well. For today's sample, we have scrubbed those elements just to keep it confidential and generic for you. And so we'll go ahead and push play here. So when you hear slight pauses throughout the call, those are just those elements that we have scrubbed out for the sample today. So please feel free to sit back and enjoy. This is about a four minute recording start to finish. We wanna make sure you get a great feel for what the calls are like. Hello. Hello, this is Cindy. Your doctors and nurses here have asked us to check in with you to make sure you're doing okay. I know you were discharged on Friday, um, but then we're checking in today to see how you're doing. We want to make sure you get the information and support you need while you're at home. Um, the conversation may be recorded for quality assurance, and this will take just a few minutes. Um, most importantly, we want to know how you are doing. Since your discharge from has your health improved, stayed the same, or become worse? It's probably improved. Okay, good. That's what we. At least to I'm not having no pains. So. Oh, good, good. Now that you are home, do you have any questions about your discharge instructions? No. Now, did they prescribe any new medications for you? They did, and uh, I will resend Friday about that. It's a uh, uh, cholesterol injection, and I do believe that I'm allergic to it. Oh, okay. Um, mm -hmm. Because after I read the instructions and everything, then it said, if you uh, have any itch or anything, and my hands just got as red as can be and just itched like crazy. Oh. So I took a couple Benadryl. But the same day, they had gave me two contrasts, and I'm allergic to the dye. And but they had gave me Benadryl and Pepsid and another drug to counteract that. But that could, had been the problem, too. Right, right. Okay. So you picked up the prescriptions, but you're currently not going to take them until you talk to your doctor, you said. Well, right? I don't have to take it again until the 6th, and I'm going to see him Friday. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, did they prescribe any other medications that from the, that you could have picked up from the pharmacy, or that was the only one? They had metformin on there, but I already had metformin at home. Oh. The only thing is, see, I wasn't allowed to take it for forty-eight hours. Oh, I see. And so I don't, you know, I don't think I should have. I don't think I should have picked any up there. No, I got you. Okay, and. Um, do you have any questions about your medications? You do have that questions about that one injection, but you said you're going to talk to your doctor about that. Yeah, doctor, uh, doctor, the one that prescribed it, and so I will be it. Like I said, I'll be seeing him before the next injection is due. Sure. Okay. So for the care team, I'm going to say no. You don't have any questions for the care team because you're going to be talking to your doctor about that. So that's correct, and I've already got an appointment set up. Also. Okay. Good. So those two follow-up appointments are already scheduled. So that was my next question. We've taken care of that. Was the service during your patient stays everything that you had expected? Oh, my. It was more than I'd expected. Okay. I mean, they had a fantastic crew uh, down there in um, observation, right, in the observation area. Yes. Yes, I was pleased with every one of them. Good. All right. I'll put that there. Now, do you have any specific follow-up questions or concerns that you'd like to speak with someone about regarding your care or recovery? At this time, no. At this time, I'm doing good, and I think I've got all my questions answered. Good. 
Um, I have just two things to tell you then before I let you go. As you are recovering at home, additional questions may come to you. Even if you have a big or small question, I want to encourage you to reach out because the care team cares about their patients, and we want to make sure you have everything you need to feel better. Um, also, does PRC conduct a patient satisfaction survey? In a week or so, you may be receiving another call asking about the care you received from if you are contacted, we hope you will participate. But thank mm-hmm. you for speaking with me today. Glad you're doing so well, and um, have a great day. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, I'm glad I'm doing so well. <laughs> yes, great. All right, thank yeah. you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Oh, you got to love that. I um, know. <laughs> good, 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 good. So, so you know, this is this is obviously one of the, the organizations we're working with. But the concern is that this is not, um, discharge phone calls are not happening every day to every patient. And so my, the, the thing that kind of shocks me and maybe others too, it's used in every other industry. For instance, when I had anybody had a oral surgery or dental work, I got a phone call from them the next day. That's, you know, and again, it's smaller practice, I get it, but it really does uh, in my own world uh, feel very comforting and very, I don't know, it gives me confidence and makes me feel better that somebody remembers once I leave the door um, that I'm a post-op kind of patient. So when I, you know, I started off talking about the best practice when I was a young lady and we would call up our patients that we took care of ourselves. Now, you know, everybody wants to know what, what are the practices that this, you know, five-star top performing hospitals do? Because if you're a five-star, odds are you have high retention of those employees. You have high loyalty of your patients. You're obviously delivering a good patient experience. And the, and the five practices that are done more than half the time are these. A, proactive nursing rounds. Yes, I know, I know, I know it's, a, it's, it's, it's an oldie but goodie, but rounding on those patients between our care partners and are there every hour on the hour, ensuring we're back there checking on them, improves confidence and trust and, and all of the above. 62%, and this is what I've spent the last five years doing a lot of coaching about, is executive and senior leader rounding. When we're involved with organizations and they say, we want to improve the patient experience, we're like, okay, that's important, but let's take care of your staff and your physicians first and make sure you're visible to them and you support them and you ask them about what's working well and what needs improvement. So that's an important one. Multidisciplinary rounds I alluded to earlier prior to discharge, a fabulous quality indicator. And over here on the right, this bucket here, discharge phone calls and discharge folders. The discharge folders are just a fabulous way to pull together all of that information that patients require over the course of time from respiratory, PT, the medications, just to pull it all together. It's a lot of stuff. And so I just want to summarize before my colleague takes you through how it works and what happens. These are some of the benefits and the new organizations I've worked with, improving clinical outcomes and safety. Number one, reduces readmissions and errors. We worked with Duke down in um, North Carolina uh, for about three or four years and <clears throat> implemented in their ER and um, in their cardiac units for what's the number one readmission? CHF. And so much complications with all of those blood thinners that they're on. This kind of phone call will save lives. It improves adherence and confidence with discharge instructions. It is so hard 
based on just the environment today to ensure our patients understand what we're expecting them to. And if they're lucky to have a family member with them that they understand, most of the time people are just, let me out of here, let me go, or I can't believe you're letting me go. Um, so the ability to listen and understand and integrate is hard. It does reduce anxiety and complaints. And we, the organizations that we work with that adopt this, we, we work with all the nurse managers, nurse leaders and say, you've got to prepare your patients, let them know. We know we can't answer all your questions here today, but we're, you're going to get a phone call tomorrow. So if anything comes up, share that with them and we'll get back to you. It catches important risks. It's a wonderful way. You're going to see some results at the end there. And here's the great part. You're all looking, we're always looking for process improvement stuff. Gathering this information collectively over time, having, you know, almost 100% of your patients uh, being called or at least attempted to call is phenomenal stuff. You'll get good data for leaders and staff and physicians about perhaps helping you tweak your discharge process at the end. And yeah, ultimately improves your CAPS and builds loyal patients by demonstrating that we care. So enough fast talking here. Uh, Audrey, can you lead this gang through exactly how CARES Connect works? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Kathleen. I appreciate the context and expertise that you've shared so far. Uh, about CARES Connect, we are very pleased to share with you the benefits of the solution. And, you know, as a just in general, as a partner with you, we strive always to empower your organization to drive excellence. And Kathleen, you've shared all the benefits in general of what post-discharge calls have, you know, from an organizational and financial perspective, also from a patient experience and patient outcomes perspective. And so that coupled with our focus on excellence we know really any initiative has much more meaningful impact when we focus on how it's being done and not just that it is being done. And so the same is true with our post-discharge calls. So we have applied the same principles and protocols and training centered on quality to our CARES Connect interviewing team. And this team uh, along with the 40 years of all the interviews that we conduct in general for patient experience, really uh, makes the post-discharge calls effective. So we've selected a core team of our interviewers that have years of experience making calls. Uh, their experience includes calls both to caregivers and patients across various product lines. And so they have a really strong foundation of healthcare focus, and it allows them to really listen and take in the feedback and be agile and adjust to make that conversation most effective. Now, before beginning these calls, each of our interviewers have gone through a CARES certification course with Kathleen uh, and also our Excellence Accelerator team, emphasizing how important it is that we take a compassionate approach for these conversations with your patients. And the CARES training covers confidence, instilling confidence in them about both of how important this is to the organization they just received care at and confidence regarding any further support that they might need. Also CARES includes anticipating their needs, really demonstrating respectful communication throughout the entire call and engaging them in that process and conversation to make sure that we're completely listening and harvesting out any of the important feedback and further support issues they may have. And then finally, making sure 
finishing out that CARES training with a thank you and safe transition for them. So with that in mind, you know, many organizations, as you mentioned, Kathleen, already make post-discharge calls to some degree, you know, at least for some patient areas, um, or they might make them in a patient area, but they're just struggling with the challenge of how do we do this 100% of the time? You know, as other priorities surface and bubble to the top, sometimes this can get pushed down. And we're hearing an increasing number of feedback in that regard that while organizations know the value of this, they're just challenged with the time to accomplish the calls themselves. So Cares Connect can help lift that managerial burden for you. We'll make the calls to all of the patients that you want to include in the scope of work and really create an effective triage process so your managers can limit their time and resources to just calling those patients back that we identify as needing further clinical assistance. So our main purpose of this is to connect with the patients, gather that information, and flag for you which do have further clinical issues so that you can focus your attention on those. So it is through great collaboration with you um, that we accomplish this together. And that starts before we begin the calls to your patients. We will collaborate with you to map out what your current practices are regarding discharge instructions and safe transitions, and also equip your leaders to be successful in those follow-up calls as well to really help create that confidence boost um, in readiness, both for you and for your patients um, in their readiness for discharge. And then as you heard from the example call that we shared the recording of, at the end of each call, we also add that extra layer of awareness that they may receive an upcoming call for HCAPs or inpatient or another patient experience survey here in the future. And that is helpful as well to ensure that they know their feedback about that experience on that subsequent call is much appreciated and important as well. Now with that, I want to just walk through what you can expect with the process of the discharge calls. So the way this works is we set up a daily patient file send. So your organization would send your patient records to us each day of the patients that were discharged the prior day. We wanna keep this very timely so that if patients have declined in health or have shared issues or had issues come up that we can identify those. So our PRC Care Certified Interviewers call your patients within 24 hours post-discharge. That same day that we get the file is when we are making these calls to your patients. Now, as soon as that feedback is gathered by our interviewing team, that is inputted input into our computer system while that call is going on. And so we're able then to immediately post that feedback from the call to a website that we have created called PRC Alert View. So on PRC Alert View, your leaders will have access to this and can see not only how your patients answer each of the yes, no questions, but also open-ended commentary that they shared, such as the example that you heard today. And then on that website, we will flag for you which came up as issues that do need further attention from your care team so that that clinical support can be followed up on with the patients for issue resolution within 24 hours. Um, and on that, we also make even a special note of attention if 
there are any that come up of particular importance where you feel like, you know, this would be one where it would be really important for your care team to call even sooner than the others. So it helps you prioritize those. Now, the CARES Connect solution is multi-layered. Uh, we really want to make this, um, even though we know the post-discharge call itself is so impactful for patient outcomes and experience and all of the reasons we've shared, we also want to make sure that this is a a well-encompassed package from start to finish. And so we first begin together with you as you want to um, embark onto the Cares Connect solution with us is for us to meet with you and really learn in depth what your current discharge call processes are, uh, which areas you're making those in, how those are going, what type of follow-up you're able to successfully achieve, or maybe where those gaps are. And then we co-design that scope together so you can choose that scope of work. You might have one service area you want us to call or a couple of service areas. Um, some organizations have us call multiple service areas across the board. And then we have others that have indicated, you know what, we have some certification needs for, say, inpatient rehab, for example, and we really need calls made to those patients and we'll start there. <laughs> so we can really meet you wherever you're at uh, for the starting point of that scope of work. And then we move into the development stage that Kathleen talked about before, where we meet together with your leaders to really educate them on what this process looks like. We educate them on what the alert view site looks like. We show them a demonstration of that so that when we start making calls, your leaders are already well equipped with all of the context and support of the website. So they're ready to go um, from day one with that. We then begin the calls and your leaders will start monitoring the alert view site for those that we have pre-filtered out for them to make it easy of those that need further attention. And that process is ongoing, of course. And so we also wanna fold into that check-ins together where we identify and collaborate together on what are the trends that we're hearing? What issues are we arising, are arising continuously from your calls? And let's look at those and provide those as a guiding factor for process improvement so that you can button up some of those processes and create better uh, discharge instructions and conversations for your future patients and help minimize those issues going forward. Now, with that, I'm also happy to let you know that uh, while we know that the post-discharge calls can be so meaningful, we also can tie that to your patient experience data. And we have seen through a case study with an example organization that we have worked with on Cares Connect that through the calls, even just within the first few months of making these, we saw improvement on 20 out of the 26 questions on 24 of them have, have shown notable improvement on the HCAP survey. And of those 24 questions that have improved, 34% of them were statistically significant increases. So widespread impact in a really significant way on the HCAPS data as a result of the calls that we we're making uh, very early on in the process. There were only two that did not show any type of notable improvement. Um, they were just very slight, either neutral or decreased level. 
all in all, we saw great widespread improvement from that. And then at the bottom here, you see also when we looked, um, you know, not only by question, but by area for the leaders that were involved in this process, a couple of the units saw statistically significant increases in their unit level scores. Another, the mother baby unit saw increases in their scores that were almost to a significant level. So really just reinforcing how much of an impact this can have, not only on that follow-up and safe transition home, but also on your HCAP scores and then subsequent reimbursement that comes along with that. So overall in the data, we saw within those first few months, a difference of scores between 48% of the baseline and 56% excellent for overall quality of care, which is really quite remarkable. Uh, with that, I'll go ahead and forward here, Kathleen, to the some of the sample saves that we have made throughout the interviewing process. I told Audrey early on, I want this slide, I want this slide. This is what clinical people all, what we care about. So, um, you know, we, we look at obviously all the comments, all the feedback. So this one, the patient reported being very lethargic and tired days after surgery, along with right arm pain and shortness of breath. Her husband misplaced her discharge instructions. I mean, you probably know that patient, right? We all do. Um, the patient was having diarrhea and sick to her stomach. She has no one at the house with her. So, you know, th that person got a nurse phone call. We were able to follow through, get her connected with the doctor, you know, get her into urgent care, whatever. I don't remember the outcome of the whole thing, but somebody picked up the pieces that would have normally just left on, undone there. I just spoke a patient's husband. He was upset. His wife, his wife was in the hospital for four days and no one will give him a diagnosis. So we know that there's 12 sides, perspectives to every story. But the point is that information got back to someone so that they could follow up in a timely manner and show that we do care. And we, we heard that. And let us talk, let's talk to you. And this is a great one from Mother Baby. I'm an old OB nurse from way back when. Patient had a C-section and has extremely swollen lower legs that are very painful. She wrapped them and put them in ice water, but she's not support, knows, she doesn't know if she's supposed to do that. So, you know, all of the, everything comes to my mind is like, oh boy, DVT, she's at risk for that, she's at risk for this, who knows, cellulitis, what she's got, if she has anything, but that's something a clinical person could follow up on in now in 24 hours, rather than three days later or four days later, whether they're either home, got sick, need an emergent you know, readmission, this is the kind of stuff that, that gets us all feeling like, wow, this happens more than we know. Thank you for sharing those, Kathleen. Uh, we have an audience member who has asked, can I pick which service area you call or does it have to be every unit? Absolutely. We can customize that to whatever scope would be most helpful for you. If you have just one service area you would like this to be for, we can do that. If you wanted a few particular ones that you customize and pick which areas those are, we can do that or tailor that, you know, across the board, whatever way works best for you. We have some organizations that do that very widespread and some that do have very focused areas for that. So we sure can customize which service areas are included. Right, and I, I knew I knew that was gonna come up as a question, Audrey, because that was my first thing, is as long as, if I'm a manager or a director, I'm gonna go advocate and say, come on, come on, come on, I can, let's just see it, let's pilot it, let's do it for six months on my unit or eight months, or let's go for it, make some demonstrated improvements. So that's good, good question. Absolutely. 
It does look like another question came in here, Kathleen. Uh, what is the education process for the hospital leaders going into this? Do you want to talk a little bit more about what that education looks like? I believe we took our, the, the nurse managers, directors, the clinical supervisors, because, you know, you want to know all those who manage the unit in the area there, um, because one nurse manager or one person can't be responsible for looking every day to look at this. So uh, our recommendation was that there's a team, a core team of um, people for perhaps each unit that are responsible for learning how the system. So we went through a similar education to what we just did now, but we spent time on their role in, in the, the best thing you can do is get good participation and people responding. And so just like um, in the old days when we would prepare for CAPS or HCAPS, part of the discharge protocol would be educating the patient at the time of discharge, listen, we know you have a lot of questions or we're, maybe there's questions we haven't answered or you're gonna come up with questions. Not to worry, you know, because we're committed to this, look for a phone call tomorrow from our hospital. You're going to get a phone call. It's not the finance office. It's not the business office. It's us checking on you and make sure you answer it. When people know to expect a call, they're going to pick up the phone. Otherwise, it's going to be like me. If you heard my phone ringing in the middle of this, I'm like, oh, it's, it's spam. I'm not touching it. So that's part of it. And then uh, reviewing, you know, there was a lot of concern. These are non-clinical people. Are they extending are they going overboard out of scope? And the truth of the matter is no, where we we do lots, we know, we don't answer any clinical questions. We record it, respond, we teach the nurses that too. Here's what we're saying. Well, you tell us what's your, um, what's your go-to. So many organizations have a nurse call line. So the first run of line might be, here's the nurse call line, why don't you call them now? In some cases, we didn't show that on this, that we call, we stay on the line and they call the ambulance. If there is shortness of breath and blah, 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 then we do an urgent care call. I hope that answered the question there. But I think, Audrey, what was it? I, I make up all my numbers. So is it two to four hour training for each group that was going to have that? Yes, absolutely. So we want to make sure that the leaders are equipped during the couple of hours of training that um, they understand, you know, what this process looks like and all of those components that you covered just within a couple of hours leading into that. Absolutely. And of course, we're always happy to tailor additional education too for those that want to deep dive even a little bit more. <laughs> and you brought up a great point, Kathleen, that I would just want to reinforce as well. It um, triggered in my mind about during the survey process too, uh, when patients do bring up anything that's of a clinical need or clinical question, during that training, part of the training is to really reinforce um, that our interviewers are collecting that information, making sure that we are documenting that information to be an accurate reflection of exactly what the patient is saying um, and not in a position where we're giving that patient clinical advice. And so part of the training for your clinical leaders is letting them know part of this process is that important triage and we will leave the clinical support and attention and follow up to you as leaders. Here is our part in this a triage process so that you know we'll be giving you as much information as we can to make that follow-up uh, limited and effective for you as leaders. Yeah, I, I like to think of it as almost like they're nurse extenders, if you will. You know, we have physician extenders who are out there doing PAs and APs. Now, they're not clinical, but they're picking up and reporting back to us. So it's, it's good. It's a, it's a great planner in a sense. 
I do see one other question just came in, Kathleen. Okay. Uh, one question is, if you don't reach a patient, how many times do you try? And what is the cadence for that? That's a great question. For that, what we do is we make the first attempt to the patient the day that we receive the record. So that is the very next day after discharge. If we don't reach the patient, then we will call the patient back the next day in order to try them again. Um, now, having said that, if we reach somebody else in the household on that first day and they say, you know what, patient Jane is not available, but could you call her back this afternoon? She's resting right now. Uh, we will make a second call back that first day as well if it's by request like that to meet their needs on what works well. Um, especially around the, the healing patient. And we want to make sure that we are respectful of that. Um, but our standard is the two attempts, one on day one post-discharge, one on day two post-discharge, with the real um, intent of that being that we want to make sure that these are called soon after discharge. And also by nature of doing it that soon, not only are we creating for safer outcomes, um, but we don't want to carry that too far into where the zone would be of potentially calling them for HGAPs or any of the patient experience surveys. Kathleen, do you have something you'd like to add to that? Yeah, I do. Can you tell? It's like that. You know, the <laughs> I love it. really important thing that you also, you you will not talk to like, uh, my she, well, I'm her husband, I know everything, let me answer the questions kind of stuff. Just share a little bit about that, Audrey, because I think that's important. Everybody wonders whether the patient filled out the the CAP survey themselves or to their loved one or the one who hates them. Tell them what your process is for that. I think that's a healthy one. That's a great point. So we do aim to complete these with the patient themselves to try to get that direct feedback from the patient. Um, if the patient is you know, physically or mentally unable to complete the survey and there's another household member that is you know, familiar enough with care and willing to do the survey, um, that is something we can absolutely do. That would be a piece that we would talk through with the organization through setup of what your preference is. Some organizations find prefer that we only talk to the patient themselves and others indicate, you know, in those situations where it's necessary, yes, please talk with a family member so that we get some kind of input if we're able to. Great point, Kathleen. Uh, there was a second part to the question about that, too. What if a patient discharges on Saturday? Do we call them on Sunday or on Monday? Um, that, again, would be a preference item that we would talk through during the setup with your organization. So some organizations we have found um, are indicating, you know what, our volume is not that large for discharges over the weekend. Please call any of the weekend visits on Monday and we'll accommodate that to do it that way. If you prefer a different flow for that to keep them always one day after discharge, that's certainly something we can talk through at setup. I see one last question here in the meantime. How quickly can the discharge calls be implemented? Great question. Uh, when we work together and know that this is a process you would like to work together on and partner together with, uh, we can implement this with your approval of what you'd like those questions to be, because that is part of that setup is making sure that we can customize those questions to those that you would like to ask, whether it's the industry standard, something more customized or a blended approach of both. Uh, once we have approval on those questions and the scope of work, uh, we will work through test files with you too. And really at that point, um, that process, we can work together as quickly as a month together. And many of those pieces we can 
work on at the same time. Um, so it's a very quick implementation together and really we can fast track that together um, as much or as, as little as you'd like to coordinate with the timing of ones that you might already be doing um, so that you work to kind of wrap up those processes and we don't have any patients being uh, called with two, <laughs> two processes and structures. So we will coordinate that timing, but generally a month um, for a start for prep time. Yes, there's another question. Is the cost per patient um, contacted or another cost structure? Another great question. This is something that we would work together on. Um, typically, we work together on finding out first what the scope of work would be. So whether you'd want us to call one patient area or multiple and what the volume is from those patient areas. Um, from that, we will then provide a proposal to you um, on what that cost is. So it's primarily based upon general volume that we anticipate. And since part of the structure is the call itself and part of it is the wraparound package of support for preparation and working with your leaders to collaborate for improvement. Um, it's a, a general cost that we custom tailor to your scope of work and volume as opposed to a, a per patient um, or per completed um, type of structure. But we can definitely work together and are happy to provide quotes for those that are interested. So thank you all so much. We really appreciate your time and joining us today. It was a pleasure to have this time together with you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Healthcare Experience Matters. Healthcare Experience Matters is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation with today's episode teaming with PRC. To learn more, visit healthcareexperience.com dot org. That's healthcareexperience.org.